Ora, and welcome to another edition of the GeoDorable podcast with your hosts, Chris Morris and Mark Thompson. For more information on this episode, visit the GeoDorable page on Facebook. Welcome along, Chris. Hey, Mark. Thank you. How are you? I'm all right, thank you. And yourself? Not too bad. It's, uh, it's been a long day, but a good one. It has, and welcome listeners. Thank you for uh, downloading and listening to the world's number one geospatial podcast. We're not ashamed to say that we are world number one. <laughs> Based in New Zealand. Oh. Um, <laughs> yeah, and we've got an exciting show tonight. We've got an interview. We have. I love it when we have guests. Because <laughs> you're tired of speaking to me? Uh, you got it. Yeah, sure. Uh, no, guests are great, right? Because, you know, there's our view on the world. And, you know, it's pretty fantastic, let's be frank. But um, getting views on the world and GIS and geospatial and all that kind of stuff, it, it's really good getting other people's views. Yeah, different perspective, you'd say. Yeah. So probably. inclusive and so diverse. Oh, we are uh, everything you ever need from a podcast. <laughs> oh, and other good news, Chris. Sure. Um, I have a new chair. So... <laughs> So listening back to last week with the squeaky thing, I have uh, resolved that issue. Do you know, I'm slightly nervous now because I also have a new chair. This is like, you know, <laughs> it's so exciting news. I've got a new chair that I've only had literally for a number of hours. And do you know what I'm finding? What's that? It's quite squeaky. <laughs> okay. Mm. So, yeah, I was going to say due to the... Um, well, the, 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 the overwhelming, uh, I suppose, correspondence back going, you've got a squeaky chair, can you fix it? Yeah. Um, you won't have helped things. Well, I won't now. Um, I think I'm going to have to get out the uh, WD-40 and, um, yeah, spray it. Sure. Um, but before we endorse any other products, let's just disclaim that <laughs> we... Uh, you can call using WD-40 like a, a, uh, a promotional well, kind of... Sure, event. other... Um, other metal lubricants are available sure um but the views and opinions on this podcast are entirely our own and uh often said for satirical or amusement purposes maybe our own amusement <laughs> and are nothing to, <laughs> nothing to do with the people we work for or work with no and it's it's important because well our first uh, news story is all about lawyers so you know it's glad that we've got that disclaimer in there. <laughs> That'll stop them. <laughs> um, but other exciting news, Chris, we're on Instagram. <gasps> are we? Yes, yes, we are. Yes, yes <laughs> Remember, we, are. We, we set up and we've posted three times, I, it's, it's which is pretty a... good for one week. Um, so, yeah, uh, so Facebook, obviously, Geodorable. Uh, Twitter, MyGeodorable. Website, Geodorable.com. Instagram, MyGeodorable. And uh, we're, we're focused there, aren't we, on My Geodorable? We're, we're posting mostly... Mostly fashion of wear, and we'd really like to be able to contribute. So if you want to hashtag fashion of wear and uh, stick up some uh, some great geographic fashion... Uh, uh, then then do. Yeah. And, and you'll see what we mean. Like, you know, some people listening might be going, what the heck is fashion of wear? And remind me why I'm listening to this podcast. Because um, <laughs> it's number one. It is. Uh, but the fashion of wear is, you know, you attend conferences and, uh, you know, you see people and sometimes you go, hey, yep, they've yeah. made a bit of an effort. They're on it. Yeah. And that's what fashion of wear is. It's wearing <laughs> clothes. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> right. No, it's more than that. It's, it is it's, more than that. But again, look up Twitter, look up Instagram. You'll see some great fashion of wear. Hashtag the fashion of wear. Yeah. So let's get into the news. Uh, yeah, cool. Spatial news. Right, Chris, in big news, and this is this is, comes from the We Told You So corner. It does, doesn't it? Well, kind of. Um, so the four major US mobile carriers. Uh, uh, by which we mean, you know, T-Mobile. Phones. and yeah. yeah. Not the Ronald Reagan and the... No, the other no, 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 no. Anyway, um, they have a class lawsuit against them. Class action lawsuit. Class action lawsuit. I got mean, got I'm not very good at my lawyerese. No. Um, I'm married to one. I should be better. Well, just roll out here. Hmm. Should I call her in? <laughs> She's out anyway. So, so. There we go. Yeah, we w- yeah. we were waiting for that. Weren't we? <laughs> um. Anyway, that that there's four. Four class actions filed against AT&T, T-Mobile, and Sprint, as well as Verizon. Verizon. Verizon? Yeah, your pronunciation. I mean, I'm I'm not good, but you're bad. (laughs) Thanks. Um, Anyway, uh, it's basically saying they sold data to law enforcement agencies to allow them to know where people's phones were. Yeah, to be clear, they sold location data. Uh, well, data that included location. Yep. yep. Just to be clearer. Oh, sorry. <laughs> Your Honour. Yeah. Um, so there's a comment there. It's interesting. Privacy is becoming harder and harder to come connected world. Last year month, we found out police were using Google Maps timeline to collect information for cases. Um, and we've talked I believe, about that I believe the police yeah, have all listened to our um, – all the police – Everywhere I had listened to our podcast, and that's where they got the idea from. Um, well, you're doing Sting and uh, Stuart Copeland. Who's the bass? Who's the guitarist? No, I don't mean this. No, no, move on swiftly. <laughs> Go on. Some people find that funny. No, nope. most people don't. Um, anyway, so the other thing we'd like to point out, though, I mean, this is this is seri- fairly serious, maybe. Well, hang on, hang on. The lawsuit covers over 300 million affected individuals. 300 million, Mark. That's not... That's quite a lot. Yes, it is more than 200 million, Chris. You're right. Well, I was just trying to put it in terms of New Zealand and... Wow. Everything's bigger than New Zealand. No, I know, but that's bigger than our... That's bigger than our number of sheep we've got. I mean, that's how big it is. (laughs) It's like huge. Uh, Sure. Um, but there are a lot of people in the United States, just to point that out. Oh, and, is that what it is? And I'd also like to point out most, some people would have more than one phone. Um, yep. So anyway, um, so yeah, Verizon sold data that ended up in the hands of another company called Captera, which then sold its data to Bail Bondsman Industry. Um, the AT&T, T-Mobile and Sprint sold to Securus which allowed low-level enforcement, law enforcement to locate phones without a warrant. Um, so, potentially serious, um, but the other aspect of this, I think it's worth pointing out, is that it's there. this is just a lawyer in America who's taken them to court. It's not like there's a bunch of people going, oh, hey, why did I get arrested? Oh, it's because Verizon, or Verizon um, sold my data. Um, so, this is one lawyer 
uh, from Zidvor, and you can find this all out on the Great Google, um, who's taken this class action. So he's not representing a bunch of people. Well, no, but, but the whole point of a class action is you are representing a bunch of people in, in terms of anybody can sign up to the class. Well, I think anybody, but anybody can well, up to the sign up to the class action and say, yes, I was affected. Someone sold right. my location data. So you might end up, you know, but, that lawyer but, might end up but representing But you have to thousands. start contributing to the class action fund. All right. So mm. the, uh, I, yeah, again, throwing in disclaimers. <laughs> What, um, we're not lawyers. <laughs> well, I mean, to be it. fair, I'm not a doctor either, but hey, I can help, you know. Ah, <laughs> oh, please don't. Um, no. Right, anyway, so interesting space. It, it'll it be interesting. It'll be really interesting if this ever comes off. Well, I, I think uh, we'll move on swiftly. But, you know, if you um, if you remember back to episode something or other where we talked about the uh, top 10 um, tech trends for yeah for, from Gartner for 2019, yeah. number eight or so was all about privacy and ethics. Yeah. So um, I suppose, as we always say, be aware of what you're sharing. Do we always say that? Yes. Oh, okay. Do you not listen, Peck? No. <laughs> Spatial news. Okay, Chris. So <laughs> a few back episodes back, remember you had a conversation with a um, academic about Google Timeline. Sure. Yeah, I do. I do remember that. Right. Um, and that blew their mind. Oh. <laughs> yep. <laughs> um, however, Google have introduced new tools to combat privacy concerns. Mate, it's almost like we had that previous story, which was to do with privacy concerns, and we've linked it to this story, which is which is also to do with the privacy concerns. Right, we are so, number one for a reason, right? Well, yeah, we bring the news and the views. Um, so, till now, users were able to use their Google account to access simple on-off controls for location history and web and app activity, and to delete part or all of it. Mm-hmm. Auto-delete controls will enable the user to choose the time limit for how long they want their activity data to be saved. Jumping back to the please comment before. <laughs> um, if you are a criminal, I mean, we're, yeah, if you are, then maybe delete more frequently. Is that what we're saying? Well, there's a new auto-delete function. Or maybe just turn it off. Um, but apparently... Uh, you say that right, but... Even criminals like going on holiday and like, you know, um, seeing seeing where they've gone. I did read an article, was it The Guardian or something, where the UK police busted a, um, a drug seller because him and his girlfriend were taking amazing holidays and she was posting it all over Insta. Oh. And the police were like, you can't afford that. You're meant to be an electrician slash plumber slash something. Um, yeah. Anyway, um, yes, so I think we should move on because... Yes, know, not super exciting, but now there is an auto-delete function. Well, it, it, it's it's exciting in terms of if you're worried that somebody's, you know, using your data, then here's a great way to get rid of it. Okay. Oh. Spatial news. And more time from Google. Oh, you got to love them, haven't you? I mean, they, you know... <laughs> The great Google in the sky. Um, all right. Google Earth time-lapse. A global zoomable video that lets you see how the Earth's surface has changed over the years. 
has become even better. Sure. Uh, platform debuted in 2013, has had its first major upgrade in three years. They could learn from Esri. <laughs> Uh, additional two year, additional years, two additional years of imagery. Yay! You can now go from eighty four to twenty eighteen. Oh wow, eighty four! That's before you were born, weren't you, Chris? It was before I was born. That's amazing. <laughs> Disclaimer. Uh, <laughs> but this is pretty cool, actually, because um, well, as as you kind of said, it's been quite a while since the last upgrade. Um, and now, yeah, you can go back in time, which is um, it's pretty awesome because the only reason you go to Google Earth, right, is to have a look at your house um, or others or other houses, and now you can see what they look like beforehand. <laughs> yeah, brilliant. Yeah. <laughs> Spatial news. Uh, jumping back in time, Chris, remember that time you did the Mon- London Marathon? What was your time again? Uh, two hours um, forty-seven. <laughs> Sorry, no, I've never run it. You, you do realize sub three hours is a very good time. Yeah, of course I do. Right. Oh, um, yeah. I just thought you might want to be believable in your stories. No, no, no. <laughs> um, all right. Well this, well, this is a nice story combining, yeah, kind of three of my uh, favorite things. So <laughs> here we go. You've got three kids and a wife, just to clarify. Oh, damn it. Uh, London. I really like London. Awesome place. Grew up there. Because you're Cockney, right? Yes. I could walk up the apples and pears, etc., um, <laughs> etc. Et to the no. rubber dub dub. Etc., etc. To the no. rubber dub dub. Yeah. No, I'm my uh, London running. I do quite like running. And oh, I just pro. <laughs> this is something you don't hear people say often um, true uh, but this is actually really uh, a nice little tutorial about how to use um, Arches Pro to uh, to tackle the fourth dimension Mark the fourth dimension yes T Chris the fourth and, dimension and generate some it's pretty cool little bit of animation there I like so it so if you're looking to do some animated maps in ArcGIS Pro, I, I'm not quite sure why you'd want to uh, Pro. Because it's quite awesome to do it. And then you kind of, you know, export it out and there you go. Export it out as a? Uh, yeah, as a video file of some description. Right. Useful. Okay, brilliant. Um, but yeah, it, it it is useful to put the T into uh, X, Y, Z and T. Totally. Um, so yeah, here's a little one. We'll post it up or you can just Google... Marathon Magic and Esri. Spatial news. So, Mark, are you loving the eighth series of Game of Thrones? I am loving the interaction my colleagues have about it. Yeah, I know it's weird, isn't it? Um, I'm I'm not a uh, Thronian. Is that the right word? Pretty sure it's not. Right. Game on, no. Pretty sure that's not right either. Anyway, um, apparently, oh, we're actually missing it to do this podcast, Chris. Are we? Yes. Oh, damn it! <laughs> um, but it's all right. As one of my colleagues said, it has a very low star rating tonight. It's not going to be very good. <laughs> What's the point of looking at your star rating before you've watched it? <laughs> I don't know. I think anyway. I'm not, not sure. the The eighth season is not everyone's cup of tea. Is it not? Okay, fair enough. Well, for those people who, who are 
enjoying it. Um, you might have wondered, where are these places? I mean, obviously they <laughs> exist. Um, and so here's another nice little blog post all about where the various filming locations are in Game of Thrones. So if you want to know where your Winterfell is, or you, uh, um, I don't know, you're, you're, you're excited about the ruins of, no, that can't be right. Downhill Strand, County the Dragon Londonbury. Pit. The Dragon Pit. You want to know where your Dragon uh, Pit is? Yeah, but basically, they filmed some nice places, and we do like a bit of aerial photography. That's cool. Um, so yeah, jump on, have a look at f- great spots. I mean, even just from a tourist point of view, who cares if you are thrown yeah. in or not? I never knew that uh, Dubrovnik was um, King's Landing. <laughs> okay then. Does that sound like I knew what I was talking about? Uh, sure. Great. Well, I never knew that. I've been to Dubrovnik. I didn't see any people with swords. Um, number drums. three there, Chris. Can you just... I can't work out that pronunciation from Iceland. Oh, dude, that's really harsh. Um, yeah, so... Sivinfelskuvkal. Uh, how was that? Uh I think, that's how, I think that's how all the Icelandics pronounce it. I imagine they do. Mm. <laughs> but yeah, have a look. Game of Thrones, uh, we'll put some links up on our pages. Spatial news. We've got the big hitters tonight. We've done Google. We've done a little bit of Esri. Done Game of Thrones. Now we're onto Facebook, and Facebook are doing good. Sorry, what? Facebook. Oh, Cool. Um, now, as we may or may not know, they click data about people. <laughs> Haven't we done this story, Mark? Wasn't it the first one we did? No, no, this is Facebook is good. Oh. Um, now, Facebook revealed its ambitions three years ago to create the most detailed population density of all the countries in the world. That's quite ambitious. And then they trained machine learning algorithms to detect human activity in satellite images. Hmm. Okay, That's clever. A little bit big brother. Um, now they've... They've announced that they've completed a lot of this work, especially for Africa. Mm-hmm. And they are making it available for free. Okay, that's pretty good. I mean, from a human um, well, human aid, um, etc., that's that's quite powerful. When you think about, um, you know, the lack of connectivity, maybe, mm-hmm. especially mm-hmm. from the first world um, to Africa. Um, but it's become so proficient their um their AI to collect um detect man-made buildings. Yep. Um, that it's within months, not years. Wow. Um, so it is. It's quite good. And there's a great little quote here with the, about them working with the Red Cross. Um, used Facebook to plan a measles and rubella campaign. Okay. Um, just determining that 97% of the land was uninhabited, the Red Cross was able to deploy 3,000 trained volunteers, which is quite a, quite a low number. You know, uh, you, yeah. you, you know, trying to, trying to, um, yeah, trying to access the populations. I mean, there, there was 18.62 million people in Malawi and they deployed 3,000 people. So that's pretty efficient. Mm. It, it's 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 quite amazing, really. I find yeah, the likes of 
well, Facebook in particular gets a lot of stick from a lot of people a lot of the time. <laughs> yeah. um, sometimes completely justified, right? Um, but but by the same token, they 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 kind of do these kind of uh, initiatives as well, which is you know they're not doing it just to get more people on Facebook, are they? Um, I I I couldn't talk about their motives, but I think there's many applications. I'm just thinking of New Zealand and its healthcare. Yep. Um, that you know, this New Zealand, although not that big, is fairly isolated in locations. Mm-hmm. Um, and this this might be very helpful. So yeah, Facebook doing some good. So next time, um, you know, people say, "Oh, that Facebook, what have they ever done for the world apart from show you pictures of your grandkids?" Um, you can go. Well, actually, they're helping Africa. Excellent. It's good to hear. Spatial news. And in some weird link with measles again. Yeah, well, there's uh, there's somewhat of an epidemic across the world at the moment because lots of people... It's scary. It's something that was nearly squashed. And I think one of the one of the issues is that when we were kids and we got measles, it wasn't that bad. Um, but the... I don't know if it's a new or mutated measles or something. It's potentially horrendous. Oh, yeah. You don't want to get measles. No, no, which is funny because, you know, you didn't think chickenpox, measles, mumps. You were quite as a kid. It was fine. Um, but things have changed. Anyway, measles in America. Um, New York Times has maps confirmed measles cases in the United States. And it's a little bit staggering. It is somewhat, isn't it? The, the, well, you know, you, you said earlier, this was a disease that had, had you know, a lot, a lot of effort had been put in to uh, to eradicate the disease, and now, um, because of people have been missing vaccinations and choosing not to vaccinate their kids, it's it's coming back, and you just kind of, it, yeah, yeah. So what would what what's the point of talking about measles on this? And we're not we're not bringing up the pro-vax or anti-vax argument. Um, we're basically going. The New York Times has put it on a map about the intensity of it. Mm. And it is it is quite staggering. Yeah, just how yeah, how large the numbers are. And um Yeah. yeah. Was it measles was declared eliminated in the United States in two thousand? Yes, and now in twenty nineteen they have uh, a lot. <laughs> Seven hundred and four yeah. as of April twenty sixth. Um yeah, so it's on the rise, but I, I, why is it on the mapping podcast? Because it's really good map, actually, the New York Times have done, representing um, the states and a bit of um, color density and a bit of clustering and and stuff like that. So we like a good map, and that's what we do like about. Map. Yep, and, um, you know, it is a mapping podcast. We should talk about maps <laughs> when they're good or bad, because sometimes they are. Anyway. <laughs> Moving on. Spatial news. Now, we are big into the social media. Oh, we would like <laughs> bigger. <laughs> like a measles rash. <laughs> mm. um, and um, Kato mm-hmm. have again put out their 50 must list. Another 50 must list. 
And this is the 50 must-follow Twitter accounts. Must ask yeah. them for their Instagram account list. Yeah, well, I mean, with three posts, we, we're definitely going to be on there. Um, now, they're broken into categories. They've got data science, geospatial news events and experts, open source advocates and resources, experts from academia, and academic programs. And um, I don't know, I read through this, and there are some people I follow, and some people I don't follow because I probably didn't know about them. <laughs> what about yourself? Um, there's a few there. I mean, James V made it, which is not surprising. I listened back to his interview. It was great. Um, I think that's the point we're trying to get across. Um, um, I think that's the point we're trying to get across. Um, useful. Um, as well as listening to this great podcast, you can also read and get some updates. Yeah, totally. I mean, and, and it's, you know, this is the top 50. There's a whole bunch of others who, you know, who, who post as well. And we're, of course, one of those. Um, I mean, we're, we're top, we were aiming for top 50 next year. I think that's what we're aiming for, right? Yeah, I do like there's a nice quote there from Emily Robinson. Um, data scientist career tip. Before you take a job, ask your, ask your employer if they have data. <laughs> yeah um, sorry must continue if if not you'll need to become a data engineer yeah fair point but I, I did like the first bit <laughs> so you're employing me as a data scientist do you have any data you'd hope hopefully the answer is yes but who knows <laughs> yes um, but yeah with a look through with a um, browse peruse on the uh, on the twitter sphere mm-hmm um yeah. Cool. Well, Mark, I believe that is all our news. It is. Nice. And now, Chris, we have an interview. We do. And uh, as I said at the start of the podcast, we do like uh, talking to people. Um, well, because as I said, it, it gives a different, different perspective on, uh, on, the, on this industry that we call home. Um, and in this case, we are, well, it's quite an interesting mix, actually, isn't it? Um, yeah, so Daniel O'Donoghue, who you may better know as Mapscaper. Yep. Uh, it sounds a bit like Base Hunter. <laughs> you don't know who Base Hunter is, do you, Chris? No. All right, moving on. <laughs> Mapscaping.com. Yep. Um, one of the many pieces of correspondence we got through, and now um, through our website, actually. Uh, Daniel introduced himself, and he started this company, Mapscaping.com. And if you look at mapscaping.com, you'll see lots of really, really nice images of countries and yeah. states and that sort of thing. Yep. And and that's Daniel's business. And on the site, he also does some Twitter and some Instagram and also does a podcast. He does. So the, the, uh, the map spaking, uh, sorry for <laughs> map spaking? the uh, mapscaping podcast. Um, and he's got well, got six episodes up at the moment. He's uh, he's a whole range of topics from um, data discovery, the way it should be, through to uh, proof of location, bringing the blockchain to the real world. <laughs> um, so you know, and, and what I really like about uh, Daniel's podcasts: short, sharp, you know, twenty minute listen. None of this kind of rabbiting on for hours, Mark, <laughs> like what we do. Um, sure, there's different courses for different horses. Um, but anyway, what? Um, well, it was a really good conversation. Now, the other link up you may pick up that um, in the podcast, the accents. Um, you know, Daniel's uh, living in Denmark, but he's actually a New Zealander. 
Mm. Um, which makes Chris the odd one out. Thanks. So listen for the poor pronunciation and the killing of the Queen's England from uh, Chris. English. And, uh, yeah, enjoy the, enjoy the interview. And hello, Daniel. How are you going? Really good, thanks. How's the weather in uh, Denmark? <laughs> <laughs> the weather is uh, sunny. It's a good day today. Sunny. Yeah. Sorry, I just had Norway flash into my head, and I was like, it's not Norway. It's not Norway. We are pretty close. Yeah. <laughs> no, but completely different countries. Completely different countries, completely different languages. And I can tell, uh, I can tell Daniel from your uh, your accent, you're, you're Danish, right? <laughs> yeah, that's correct. <laughs> I think anyone, that, anyone that's lived here for more than three years is considered a local and therefore Danish. <laughs> no, cool. no, I actually come from New Zealand. Ah, that would explain the accent. <laughs> yeah, so, Daniel, uh, for people who don't know who you are, I mean, we were obviously quite famous, but just in case, um, how would you describe yourself and what do you do? <laughs> I would describe myself as a 41-year-old man with a wife and kids. Uh, I studied Started geography, specialised in, in GIS, dare I say it, and was really interested in remote sensing. And now I work as a, a GIS consultant here in Denmark. I did my studying in, in New Zealand, by the by, and moved to Denmark about eight, nine years ago. And sort of been moving around through different consultancies since I arrived. And uh, now I've started up a, a website called Mapscaping and do a whole bunch of stuff with maps and podcasts and yeah, different things, but all loosely related to geospatial. <laughs> and and what do you tell your parents that you do? <laughs> I, I always say something like, you know Google Maps? Yeah, maps on the internet. <laughs> and, and and that's normally where I start. I, I distinctly recall my the, the day my mum my saw Google Maps for the first time. She was like, hey, but we've got two cars parked outside. I can only see one. <laughs> <laughs> and, and that sparked a really inter interesting conversation about data and, and mapping and things of that nature. There was a story years ago with um, in Australia about a woman who phoned a council and the council person said, oh, yeah, I could see see your house on the satellite. And she just went off about being spied on by the council satellites. <laughs> I've got a, a, so, a more yeah. recent... Uh, more recent example of that. So I I have a couple of different social media accounts and post a lot of things there to, to do with maps. And I posted this uh, a little time lapse of Google Earth Engine, and it happened to be over Dubai. So, you know, so you can see a lot of the building and stuff that had been happening there in the last thirty years. And almost immediately, I get this direct message in Instagram. Someone saying, "Hey, I lost my bike yesterday. Can you can you see who did it?" <laughs> <laughs> and could you? Uh, no. <laughs> no. <laughs> I had to explain to this guy, like, Google Earth Engine doesn't quite work like this. It's not a real-time thing. This is over 30 years. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, but we know that we know tracking's out there. It is actually one of my um, bucket list things is to see tracking in action. Like, like feed from tracking, but you've got to have quite good clearance. Or you just have to be like in a Hollywood movie. Oh, that's true. <laughs> yeah, I mean, e either option, Mark, is open to you. <laughs> Maybe. Sure, you know, um, if the podcast doesn't work out. Um, yep. So you mentioned GIS and remote sensing. So so at school, obviously, they don't do GIS. 
Um, what, what? How did you get into it? Um, well, uh, I travelled for a long time. So I was away overseas for about six years or something, and I came back and I was 27, and I really liked the outdoors. I wasn't quite sure what to do with myself. And uh, so I thought, like everyone else, what the hell am I going to do? I don't really want to get a job. Maybe I should just go to university. So I went to university and started... <laughs> uh, and started down the down the geography path, and one day this really bright, shiny, happy, enthusiastic guy showed up in our in our lecture there and started talking about GIS and how it was going to rule the world and all these amazing things you could do with it. <laughs> and that you know you was he high on Kool Aid? He <laughs> might have been. Yeah, looking back, there was something not quite right about this dude. But anyway, he was a really good salesman. And I think probably about 100% of the people that listened to him was like, yes, GIS is the future. So we all went off and signed up for a GIS course the, the next day. And I quickly discovered that I hated it. <laughs> I hated everything about it. <laughs> I, I didn't understand it. Points, lines, and polygons, what the hell? And all these different file formats. And you had to be, a, you know, back in, this was, uh, what, like 15 years ago. So you had to be more sort of tech savvy than I was at the time, that's for sure, to really figure out how to use these different tools. And I just struggled and fought my way through this course. And it wasn't until the end of it, and it was only a semester long, but it felt longer, where I, <laughs> and I was forced to sort of sit down and read through my notes, being a good student that I was. I spent a lot of time studying and revising for this. And it eventually started to sink in, like what was actually going on here? <laughs> <laughs> it did take a while, but eventually started to sink in. And then I just thought, this is amazing. Like, it was, yeah, it was that exam. Like, I'm a terrible student, or was anyway. I didn't do very well at the exam, but I thought it was really interesting. And, and I like yeah. the idea of working with this kind of technology. So I went on to take every single GIS remote sensing course I could, as quickly as I possibly could. And when I was finished those, I worked as a tutor in uh, at the university there, helping people, you know, that were a course further back than me. <laughs> And uh, just went from there. Got a few scholarships and worked for uh, the Geospatial Research Center in, in Christchurch. Mm -hmm. Learned how to program and was just, I was convinced that, that this was going to be the my career path. <laughs> and it is, right? And it is. It, is. it still is, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I think. My, my thinking around GIS and geospatial in general has changed quite a lot since those days. But yeah, I'm, I'm still really interested in the industry and where it's going. So it's interesting you, you kind of mentioned there that you, remote sensing was the thing that kind of really uh, you really enjoyed or really you know you, you found it interesting, and that's kind of led on to mapscaping, which we'll get onto in a bit. But what was it about remote sensing that you found interesting? I think it was the the fact that you could collect so much data, and there was so much to be so much knowledge buried in that data if you just knew what you were looking for. I think that was the thing. And also, I really liked the the, te the technical aspect of it. I got into yeah. coding and, and taught myself how to code in, in Python and, and later on in C Sharp. And I think that was really exciting, being able to take apart images and put them back together in a way, you know, in what, whatever way you wanted to. Yeah, I think remote sensing, it's kind of, it it is just so cool and yet not being used as well like must be people in remote sensing just going what do you mean you're just doing laser scanning or you know image classification or stuff yeah that, and um, that's, that's the thing that i found anyway throughout the entire geospatial world like gis and and remote sensing if you want to push those two things together as you can do so much but that what people actually need is still very 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 basic yeah 
Yeah. Um, so you're based in Denmark, um, and we have, I don't know how many listeners we have in Denmark. We have a lot in Japan. Um, konnichiwa. Um, <laughs> the, what do you, what do you notice? I mean, obviously you've been there, you say seven, eight years or so, but when you got there and you write, yeah, I'm going to do a map. Is it like they don't have a North Arrow or the North Arrow is facing the wrong way? Um, what did I notice? <laughs> little J's no. joke there. North Arrow always faces the same way. It's not like the water in your toilet. Oh, which faces a different way? Or what? Where, where Turns a different way. Oh, right. Yeah. Um, what did I notice? Uh, specifically about making maps, I noticed that uh, I guess it was my first time really sort of working in the industry as such. Like the, the jobs I had before, that was with the doing research so you weren't really bound by any sort of industry standards just go out and do research try and solve the problem so I was really sort of open open ended and I think what really surprised me about getting my first job in Denmark was again how the the limit of the scope of your work you know we need these maps here we need PDFs we need someone to generate hundreds of PDFs and change colors and things and uh, adjust these technical little details of the map I think that's what really surprised me. And again, it comes back to that what I was talking about before. You can do so much. There's so much possibilities and potential. But what people actually want or, or, and seem to need is very basic. Like show me a picture of I was working, making um, or helping develop offshore wind farms. So show me a map of what does the wind farm look, to that, look like today? Okay, here's a new layout. Put that in there. Show me what that will look like. And then generate a map for every you know, position in this, this <laughs> yeah. park. I think it, you mentioned uh, when we, we were talking earlier in the week that um, in, in terms of the actual GIS software, it it's more custom. It's it's not kind of you're off your shelf or, or you know, it, it's not the the traditional, the Esri uh, platform. There's, there's kind of more um, options. Yeah, yeah, there is. Um, so in terms of GIS software, and uh, if we think about councils anyway, it's really dominated by about five or six major consulting companies in Denmark. And each of them have made their own custom piece of software. Now, they can all almost do exactly the same thing. <laughs> it's not like they have wildly different function functionality, but they're based on different pieces. So one one company might put this together using JavaScript and um Postgres and some other and map server and geo server and something else and somebody else has built theirs from the ground up and it's just this huge pile of legacy junk which they maintain and but, <laughs> but, it, but everyone has done their own thing that's the interesting thing and everybody is moving more and more in that direction from our last conversation it sounded like that Esri completely dominates the market in New Zealand and everybody or not everybody but lots of these uh, big councils which are really sort of heavy users of GIS in Denmark they're moving away from Esri there you know because they can save so much money with licenses and things like that so they're moving more and more towards open source interesting okay. yeah yeah it is um, I suppose I mean, we, we do have a very sheltered view of the world Chris we live in a very sheltered part of the world Mark yeah, we do. <laughs> but it is, I, I think it is interesting because, you know, you get um, – there, there is so much marketing. There is so much kind of noise made by, you know, uh, Esri and, and you know, other, other kind of, you know, large geospatial organizations that, yeah, you kind of – I find it quite amazing that, in, you know, in, in Denmark there would be 
completely custom kind of systems. It it, it does seem a little strange. It, it, I mean, you could sort of understand it in New Zealand, which is an isolated spot in the back of nowhere. But Denmark, which is, you know, basically in Europe. <laughs> basically. <laughs> well, it's Scandinavia, right? I mean, it's not... <laughs> I mean, okay. Does, did the Danish like to think of themselves as, as Europeans? Sure. Sure. Why not? <laughs> Is, uh, is, is the whole Inspire, um, uh, well, what do I call Inspire? The whole Inspire kind of uh, belief? That's what it seems to be like from, from this part of the world. But is, is Inspire really important in Denmark? Um, you have to like define, what do you mean by Inspire? Well, the whole kind of... Um, the European standard. Yes. Yeah, yeah, standards are incredibly important in Denmark, right across the board. Absolutely, and in everything that they do, they are so detail focused, almost to a fault. So, if there's any kind of standards they can live up to, there they are all in. <laughs> okay, <laughs> well, that sounds like the opposite of New Zealand. Yeah, yeah kind of. <laughs> but it's interesting that they have that all-in philosophy in terms of standards, uh, you know, but not in terms of their their GIS, their their Sorry. software. That it can be yeah. so diverse, and it really is diverse. But, uh, and, but and the, uh, I think another interesting thing about that, those six big players in the market there, is that it's a limited market. Like they're not making more councils here, so they're all just sort of undercutting each other constantly. I don't know yeah. if anyone's actually making any money off selling their GIS software, but it's a foot in the door for these big consulting firms. And it's, you know, once they get in with their GIS software, then they they have a reason to go out and talk to these people again. But migrating from one to the other must be a nightmare. It is. Yeah, <laughs> yeah it, it really is because we're talking about different backends, complete different backends. And uh, one company I worked for, they had they built their entire system from the ground up, so there was nothing in there that was, you know, open source, for example. So they yeah. hadn't used any of those sort of big building blocks that would give you some sort of standards to to put their product together with. They they built the whole thing from the ground up. So how do you kind of deal with interoperability? You know, different formats or you know at least using Shakefile. yeah well <laughs> yeah I mean uh, they they still use standard formats and that kind of right, thing. Okay. But it might be so in terms of output and input. But what actually happened in the inside of that system system didn't have to be standard at all. So you could output something as a shapefile or as a geodatabase or whatever and ingest it as you know, a web service. That wasn't a problem. But what happened inside of it was completely custom. Well, it yeah. is completely custom. You know, in, in terms but that's but often they'll use like a Postgres database or a spatially enabled SQL database. So So that's all right then, at least you yeah, yeah. can move data around. Yeah. Um, how does Denmark refer to it? Is it GIS? Is it geospatial? Is it maps, location analytics? Um, or is it something in Danish? <laughs> it, it is something in Danish. Okay. Um, they call it, yeah, they, they call it, people in, in the industry call it, call it GIS. But everybody else will just refer to it as being maps and they want, okay. or, or drawings actually. And they, and that comes from the, the, the CAD world, you know, where they, yeah. they, they call it a drawing over there. So when I'm working with engineers, I work at a utilities company. And when I'm working with these guys doing their, working on their projects and things like that, they, they always say, can you make a drawing of this? And at the start, I thought it was really funny. I said, sure, I can draw your house. No worries. But <laughs> <laughs> you just get a pack of crayons. Yeah. And, um, yeah. Here's the yeah. house. Ah, ta-da. 
but I think that's probably true for the for the geospatial industry in general, isn't it? Like we, no one really refers to it as GIS. We refer to it as maps or or spatially enabled data or something else. I think outside of it, um, people do, and inside we just use the hard word GIS. Well, I think inside the you know the industry, we all know what GIS means. And therefore, it's kind of a fine term. But you know, if you're external to it, you're, you know, you're trying to explain it to a client, it doesn't mean a thing, right? And that's why we we try and use location analytics or yeah. you know, spatial data or whatever else. Yeah, but yeah. also we know in Silicon Valley they they use location analytics or spatial intelligence. Yeah. They don't use the term GIS. Um, the other aspect of um of geography and geospatial stuff is obviously um, the fashion of wear. Um, Clearly. Would you yeah. say that that um, Denmark is, is is distinctive in its uh, geography fashion? Um, well, if you mean like, do we walk around in shorts and socks with, and jandals? Is that, is that where we're going? Homespun jerseys, <laughs> that kind of thing? No, that's the classic view of geography. Okay. You all know yeah. they're better than that. No, Danes, uh, in terms of their fashion in general, are very particular, very particular, hmm. and that—that's you know right across the right across the board. Men, women, children, everyone likes to look good, as good as they possibly can, all of the time. There is nobody showing up at work with Crocs, or, apart from me. <laughs> <laughs> I think we're perhaps we're finding the uh, the greatest nation for the fashion of wear. I mean, if, if they're putting that much effort in, that sounds well, fabulous. But, but are they distinctive or are they conformative? Um, maybe, I don't know, maybe, maybe a little bit down the line of sporty cash, something like that. Okay. Does that, does that help? (laughs) Look, we get many a question about the fashion of wear, uh, and, (laughs) um, no, we do, we do. I mean, it's, it's, it's something that, you know, many of our listeners care deeply about. And And, and trends on Twitter. Yeah. and, And we like to, you know, we like to. No, these things. It's important. <laughs> anyway, um, part of the reason we uh, we're speaking to you is about Mapscaping, um, which is uh, you know, which is the company that you own and run and produce maps and so forth. Um, do you want to talk a little bit about about it? What it is? How you came up with the idea? That kind of thing. Sure. Um, mapscaping is. I think I think it was just an attempt to to do something else with with, with GIS data to get to get away from making PDF files of you know points, lines, and polygons in particular colors. And just to say like, hey, there's amazing data out there and data can be beautiful all by itself. We don't need to add anything to it. And just to make very simplistic, what we think is very modern looking looking maps based on elevation data. And then it's kind of, that was the start. And we started about two years ago. Um, and now we've kind of morphed into other things. <laughs> and now we've started a podcast and we have um, a, a few different social media channels and yeah, I guess it's just yeah, it's a, it's a lot of different things. It's kind of art, but I, it's also trying to give something back to the geospatial industry and be involved in it in a different way, in a different way than what you can when you're just sort of doing the day-to-day GIS stuff, if that makes sense. Yeah. So, so you make pretty maps of countries. Yeah, we we think so. Yeah. We take a whole bunch. <laughs> we take a whole bunch of elevation data, and um, being Danish, uh, well, my wife is Danish, and I've been here for these nine years, so I'm pseudo Danish, maybe. 
<laughs> we, we try to keep it as simple, simple as possible. And I'm not an artist, but I really like I like data and I, and I like maps. So my thinking was that hey, we could probably make some very simplistic, minimalistic, stylish maps just using elevation data. So we take it, we fill in the holes if if there's gaps in the data, and we cut it to the shape of countries, and then we add um, colors to it. So you can see the the elevation or the the relief of of the countries and yeah we make we make maps of that cool. and have you got like uh, i mean you've got pretty much well it looks like pretty much every country in the world um have, how many countries you, are there in the world chris lots slightly more than some um and <laughs> you know what some other worlds uh, i think yeah, the, i sure. think the answer you're looking for is much <laughs> yes i am looking for that word uh Wait, have you got any particular countries that you kind of go, you know, the, 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 the kind of the, the topography of that particular country lends itself more nicely to, a, you know, to the, the maps that you produce? Ooh. Yeah, well, I, the, I, the reason, another reason why we started this is because, you know, I'm an expat living from New Zealand, living in Denmark, and I really wanted something to stick on our wall at home. So I started playing around with data, and the first country, of course, I looked at was New Zealand. And I thought, this mm. this is amazing. Like, New Zealand lends itself really, really well to, to these kind of maps, in my opinion, as does uh, Canada. I think that the map of Canada looks really, really good. I really like the, the topography in the country. There must be some countries, though, I mean, not thinking of any close to New Zealand, that you sort of have to fake it for. To Holland, make for example. For interest. <laughs> <laughs> Holland's a difficult one. <laughs> I, I imagine it would be, yes. Um, yeah. <laughs> and, and, and Denmark, for that matter, like, and we have these, so we, we make a hillshade map and we make another one, um, you know, just using the, the different shades and. Uh, different hues of blue or green or whatever colors we have to, to show the relief there. And Denmark, for example, looks great in that one there, in our shaded version. But in Hillshade, I mean, there's not a great deal going on in Denmark in terms of elevation. I think <laughs> I think the highest point is maybe 165 meters. So who yeah. do you find your clients are? Are they kind of you know, uh, spread across the world? Is it, are some countries more popular than, than others? Um, for sure, the States. But I think that's probably because we reach most people you know, via social media in the States. And there's more of them. And there's lots and lots and lots of them. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. You, sorry, you're talking about individual states that make up the United States. I was talking about individuals, but, you know. Yeah. Well, yeah no, I'm, I'm, just I'm, clarifying. Yeah, good. <laughs> um, so the... Well, I've, I've got another question while Mark struggles to find his. Um <laughs> Is there any coincidence with the fact that you're only one letter away from manscaping? Um, no, I think that was probably, <laughs> I think that was, that was an oversight on our part. <laughs> oh, <laughs> <the sorry>. start. <laughs> but I think right, if, okay. if, if you arrive at our site looking for male grooming techniques, then you'll, then you'll be disappointed. <laughs> right. Okay. okay just um, checking. <laughs> so in terms, of, in terms of world maps, have you ever been tempted to leave off New Zealand just to annoy us? No, but I've been tempted to go the other way and write the world and just have a, a map of New Zealand. I'll just show oh, New Zealand. I like that. Because <laughs> I think that would be, uh, that, that, that's what it needs. Like, we need that reaction. Every action has an opposite and equal reaction. So there we go. Take that world. Yeah. So when um, when Scotland announced that you could no longer put um, the Shetlands in a box, yeah. did that, no, did that no impact you in any way? in the box, Chris. I know. <laughs> Isn't that baby in the corner? Anyway, right. um, no, no, 
Done. Yeah. Impact us. Okay. Whatever. Okay. Okay. <laughs> Interesting. No. Then the other thing um, that you are particularly good at is is, is kind of the social media um, side of things, um, and you have a little thing called uh, GeoBot. Yeah. Yeah. Do you, so, want, uh, do you want to tell us about that? I think I've been trying to use it. It's been fun. <laughs> oh, good. Um, yeah, GeoBot's actually got a virus at the moment, so he's not he's not feeling so good. But <laughs> we are. Yeah, we're thinking he'll be he'll be. He'll be live again soon. Um, Geobyte was like a little little experiment. So we have a good following on social media and we try and post as much sort of engaging stuff as possible. And from time to time we say, hey, we also make these things here. Um, and Geobot is a, a bot that you can build on top of uh, Facebook Messenger. And what it does is that if people sign up to it and then you can interact with people. So you can write like almost like little... Uh, if-then statements in in this bot when you're making a bot. So you could, uh, and the idea behind GeoBot is to ask questions. Hey, you know, it might be a picture of um, a country. You know, what country is this? And then you can have little options where people can answer and it can reply, or you can click a box and it can reply. And the idea is just to engage with people on that level and maybe maybe help them learn something new. And mm-hmm. uh, I discovered on, I have a Instagram profile called MapView, so map underscore view and i post a lot of questions there about geospatial things and about geography things and i could see that people were really engaging with it and it might be the fact that instagram appeals to a much younger audience but i was like how can how can i scale this up because it's actually quite fun but sitting there answering all of these questions is is taking a lot of time so that's where that that was the thinking behind geobot was that i could scale up this sort of engagement reach more people uh-huh. teach some people have a little bit of fun Cool, very cool. Yeah. Uh, and and the other thing you uh, you've recently got into is podcasting. Um, obviously, you, you know you heard this one and thought I could do better than that. Um, <laughs> uh, how have you found it? Have you you know has it, has it been a uh, um, something you've enjoyed? You're up to I don't know what is this nine podcasts now? I think yeah yeah. Um, yeah, All accessible I've, by uh, mapscaping.com, I should point out. Oh, thank you. Yes, and, no, it's, right. yeah, and it's called the, the Mapscaping Podcast, and I've really enjoyed it. Uh, once again, it's like such a, such a great way of sort of staying in touch with, with what people are doing out there, the exciting stuff that's going on, and you get to talk to these people and you know, hear their stories. And I'm sort of, I, I guess the thinking behind the podcast was maybe it can sort of inspire some other people out there that, hey, like geospatial doesn't just have to be, you know, putting points, lines, and polygons on a PDF map and then changing the colors to suit whatever. You know, it could be all these other things. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I've really enjoyed it. It's a steep learning curve, I have to admit. <laughs> hey, we've been doing it for, you know, two years and we still have no idea what we're doing half the time. Sorry, no, we are. Com- <laughs> con- what was it? No, we're professionals and, uh, and we... And we're no. number one, baby. Yep. But 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 you guys were were an inspiration behind the podcast because I, I listen to a lot of podcasts myself. I love the idea that you can just be driving the car, walking the dog, or whatever, and sort of passively being taught things, learning things, or discovering things. But when I went to to find a podcast for geospatial, unfortunately, you guys don't publish very often. It's only once a month, unfortunately. And I was like, man, th- this is you know there must be other people out there like me that are that enter podcasts like Geodorable here. Why can't, you know, why aren't there more of them? Yeah. 
Oh, <laughs> maybe we just need to increase our game, Chris. No, no, I think the uh, the more podcasts there are out there, you know, the more the more people do start to understand a little bit more about this industry that we struggle to name. Um, yeah. You know, I think I think it's uh, more the merrier, as far as I'm concerned. That's um, when, when you like that. That's true. I, I I'm completely with you on that one there. And when I talk to people on social media, like again, specifically Instagram. Um, we have a lot of younger followers there and people are constantly asking like, Hey, how do, you know, what should I learn? GIS? What industries can I go into? What kind of skills do I need? You know, all these kind of things. And you guys are really, really good about sort of hammering that point home that maybe GIS isn't the goal in itself, that maybe the application of GIS is the really interesting thing. And I'm not quite sure if it wasn't for you, for podcasts like Geodorable and a few other people out there in the industry sort of making a bit of noise and sort of trying to point people in the right direction. I'm not sure how people would, would discover that until it was too late. Well, I think we, you know, what's really interesting and, you know, Instagram has got a kind of a younger feel to it, but those younger people are going to be us if they're unlucky in the next kind of, you know, <laughs> 10 well, 15 years you know you, you, yeah, so uh, to, just to just clarify you mean unlucky in that they've had to spend their whole life doing gis no. in, instead of actually solving a range of problems and using one of the tools as spatial well, we all know gis is wonderful but yes no totally totally right you know um it's it's a tool in the tool set not not necessarily the uh, the only solution um that you know people have at their you know have at their fingertips so to speak but, but that's not to say people can't do really interesting things with GIS or can't be passionate oh, totally. about it. Yeah. Because I, I still think like it's such an amazing visual way of looking at, looking at data. But I think people just oh, need to be yeah. aware of that. Like, okay, it's the application of this amazing thing that's really important. And that's where the future is. Yep. Totally yeah. agree. Yeah. So, yeah, that sounds like a, a positive note there. <laughs> so, Daniel, do you want to just... Um, in case we haven't mentioned enough, just give us your uh, your social <laughs> media references. Sure, I'd be I'd be more than happy to plug myself at this particular <laughs> point in time. Okay, so we have a, a Facebook account called Mapscaping. That's easy to find. We're also quite active on on Twitter. Once again, Mapscaping. Uh, same again on Instagram, and I have an account which is probably more for this audience here called Map underscore View on Instagram. And we, we do a podcast called the Mapscaping Podcast. So there we go. I've done it. Brilliant. Fantastic. <laughs> Great. Well, thanks so much for your time. Oh, thank you. It's been a pleasure coming on to the show and talking to you guys. Yeah. Great. We'll really? catch you later. Cheers. Bye. Bye. Well, there we go, Mark. Here was a, uh, it was a really enjoyable podcast. Yeah, we, we do like speaking to people, don't we? We do. Um, and... Yeah, I th I thought it was really interesting the um, the different take. I mean, obviously we've we've talked before about New Zealand being Esri centric, but you would have thought Denmark. I don't know, jumped to a massive assumption, being a similar population to New Zealand, would have a similar dominance, or you know, there'd be some sort of fair fight. But but no big players. Yeah, it's everyone just spoke. Isn't it? Yeah. Um, yeah. So. So that was interesting. So if you're interested in mapscaping, he said Daniel, Daniel, we got Daniel to drop some, uh, drop some links in there. Um, oh, totally. Just, just Google mapscaping. Um, and if you want to get in touch with us, we'd love to hear from you. Um, we'll Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, 
and of course our our website yep so definitely reach out because uh when you do good things could happen we might you know fight you on the podcast and then you can tell us all about how uh you know how things work in your country um yeah yep and the i mean the final thing is not to push it but um but be consistent in our theme if you'd like sponsorship and exposure on the world's number one geospatial podcast get in touch with us sure um, looking at you dgi and mercedes <laughs> Uh, yeah, or if you just like listening, buy us a beer. Yeah, yeah, on our website again. Uh, and with that desperate last comment, we're not yeah. actually that. We're not desperate at all, Mark, are we? we, we just, no, you know, we're optimistic, positive about the future. Indeed. Yeah, but we will uh, be releasing a new podcast next couple of weeks, so look out for that. And I uh, would love to hear from you. Yeah, and in the meantime, um, happy listening. Thanks for listening, and uh, we'll speak to you next time. Yep, see you later.